Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 143 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. What's up, y'all? How you fuckers doing? I am still in Canada. If you've been following along my Instagram stories, you're probably seeing all of the incredibly beauty that is my cabin um, and well, my family's cabin, let's be honest. Um, and uh, so you know that I'm in the Northland right now, um, which also means that I'm continuing to be on this really weird um, setup, which is, I hope you're finding okay. I think it sounds decent, but I do, it also is different than you're used to because my intro and my outro uh, are on my <laughs> computer um, in um, in Chicago. And um, I don't have access to those things right now because your girl is not technologically sound, but she does persist and does do things that don't sound perfect or look perfect or are messy. So that's what we're doing. We're showing up because I'd rather show up that way than not show up at all, especially because this conversation is one that I'm so excited to share on a more uh, global scale with all of you and specifically this person because Jada is somebody who I have known and been connected to for the last couple of years. And the moment I was introduced to their work and just their human beauty and everything that is who they are, who, who, what she represents, um, and the, the things that she teaches on and educates around, I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to learn from this person. I want to know this person in a deeper way. Um, and I can't wait to share this conversation with all of you before we get into the conversation, which I want to get to as quickly as possible. I just want to give a little context for this conversation because it did happen as an interview style, um, for more of a workshop that I ran last year and it was recorded in May, 2021. So what you're about to hear are the perspectives, beliefs, experiences, um, contexts, uh, life situations that both Jada and I uh, were experiencing at that time in May 2021. Obviously, we're almost a year later. Um, and I originally hadn't intended on using this episode as um, as a podcast um, because it was in a, a workshop environment. Um, but I especially after last week's episode and after just re like really thinking about like when I'm thinking about solo polyamory, it's obviously not something that I can speak to on an understanding level because it's not who I am. It's not how I resonate, but there are many of you that I know it does resonate with. And I kept thinking like, who could I bring on? Who could I talk to? And I was like, wait, I already have had an amazing conversation and interview with Jada around this. And if there's anyone I was going to have on, is going to be this person. Um, and so Jada so graciously agreed um, to, you know, have this conversation air on the podcast and share it with all of you because we had so much fun recording it when we did. And um, there's so much good material around really like everything that she shares about their experience when it comes to solo polyamory, when it comes to shame, um, what led to, um, exploring and doing research around non-monogamy in the first place and so many other amazing things. So Jada is going to introduce themselves to you, um, but I'm going to also just share um, her bio for you so that you can get a, a clear picture of the person that you're going to be learning from today and hearing from. So Jada uses pronouns she, they, 
is a queer Southeast Asian um, sexuality and relationship educator and trauma-sensitive facilitator. You might know her on Instagram as the sex-positive Asian auntie, Um, and they work to liberate folks from sexual shame by creating space for authentic conversations about sexuality, relationships, identity, and healing. The topics that excite her most are sexual exploration, identity, transformative justice, and non-conventional relationships. Um, And not only is that what they promote and express, but truly like who they are and everything that I've gotten to know about her is just like what you see online is really what you get in person. And I just find that to be rare these days. And it's really, really beautiful to witness. So I'm going to just let this conversation speak for itself. Um, If you want to, I will share this also at the end, but if you want to connect with Jada or learn beyond, if you hear this conversation, you're like, oh, fuck yes, I I need to know more. I want to learn more from this person. Um, You can check them out um, on their Instagram, Jada, J-A-Y-D-A underscore kissed. Um, And then they also have a poetry collection uh, called From a Place of Love and also have a workshop that is self-paced that you can purchase um, on her website um, and all of that goodness uh, called Jumping Off the Escalator, the Relationship Escalator, sorry, Jumping Off the Relationship Escalator, um, which can't recommend enough, especially if you are, you know, struggling with the typical relationship norms um, and societal and cultural uh, benchmarks that we are expected to adhere to as people and many of us don't feel pulled to those and many of us do or many of us like piece of them and all that stuff so can't recommend all those things enough again here is the conversation um that we had um and yeah without further ado here's jada Hey, 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 welcome to this bonus workshop edition of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life Virtual Summit on all things sex and sexuality. I am so excited to introduce this incredible guest speaker and someone who I have been recently introduced to their work and just truly, truly love everything that this human is about um, and everything that they teach on. Um, there's just so, so much that I feel like we could talk about today, but we're focusing in a particular area because... I feel like you have a really unique perspective in this space, and I'm excited to dive deeper. Um, But before we get to that, um, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself and share a little bit more about who you are, why you do what you do, and then we'll get started. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm glad that we could make this happen in some way, shape, or form um, and and do this kind of as like a bonus episode for, for folks at the summit. Um, So yeah, so folks who are unfamiliar with me or my work, my name is Jada Suwanasi. I am a sexuality and relationship educator. I also go by sex positive Asian auntie. That's kind of like the role that I try and embody with the people that I work with, who I am online. Um, And it feels less like titly than, you know, educator, sex and relationship coach and things like that. So everyone here is welcome to call me sex positive Asian auntie. Um, my work really is to help liberate folks from sexual shame. A lot of people that I work with are folks um, in the Asian community in particular. And, and, you know, growing up with sexual shame is definitely something like a theme in, in our, in our space and a theme from, from my own background. Um, and my goal really is to create 
spaces for authentic conversations around sexuality and relationships. Um, I also am non-monogamous, so that seeps into how I view relationships in general, and I talk openly about exploring um, what I would say like conscious relationships, like conscious decisions in how you show up in a relationship, whether that's monogamous or non-monogamous. So I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that piece um, today. Yeah. Yay. I love that too. Cause I feel like we have so much in alignment in terms of who we are as humans. Um, but we teach obviously very, very different things. So I'm excited to have your voice in this space. I want to get, cause a big part of your session is about like opening, opening relationships and, and having, having a different approach to how you, how you show up in that space. But uh, the second part of that, and the thing that I would argue is also really important is embodying your fullest self within your relationship dynamics and also your sexuality. And I think that's something that you do so beautifully and you teach so beautifully. So I would love maybe the first part of this, if we could get into that piece of it, like how, how do people do that? Cause I think that's the number one question I get when it comes to, you know, embodying your fuck yes self is, you know, how do I step there? And I always say, you know, it's so interesting. I think that at the foundation, it is less about the external and more about how we view ourselves and the shame component of our sex and sexuality, I think steers the wheel a lot for us, holding us back from really being that like wild, uh, you know, full version of ourselves. So like, how do you even start the process to getting there? (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, for today's kind of conversation around like how I navigate relationships yet, right. And how I show up in my full authentic self in my relationships, I think it helps to go back to when I was younger. And when I say younger, like maybe college age and around college, like 18, 19, when you're starting out, you're, you know, a lot of times, like maybe you've had some like relationships, um, like intimate relationships by then, but I don't know how many of them have lasted or, you know, um, how deep those are, but it's a time when you're in your teenage years, you're really learning about like what it means to connect with other people that aren't your family members, right. Connect with other people beyond friendship. Uh, um, so connecting sexually, connecting in a more intimately, being more emotionally connected with people. And, um, even at a, I remember taking a sociology class sociology of families when I was like a freshman or sophomore in college. And that class really had me questioning, like, do I actually want kids? <laughs> like, and do, does that sound like something I'm even going to be fulfilled by? And I think at the time, you know, 10 plus years ago, a lot of other people around me were not willing to question that. We're not really in the mind space to even consider if something like having children was like, as if you had an option. Right. And so I bring this up as this, like, because of the society that we live in that gives us certain scripts on how we are supposed to behave. Um, especially if you are a femme person in the world, right? Like the expectations that are put on you in order to, you know, have a, fulfilling or a successful life. And I put air quotes, you know, on that generously. Um, There are certain things you're told to do, basically. There are certain steps you're told to follow. And having children tends to be one of them, right? As a femme person, um, someone socialized as a woman, like the, of course, 
my goal in life is supposed to like bear children for some reason. And I think that time in my life when I started questioning it and I started trying to seek spaces with other people who were also curious about, you know, questioning these norms that we were told growing up, um, that was actually really hard for me. A lot of people were, you know, like, you're young, you're going to change your mind. Uh, Some people called me selfish. People said I was like crazy for, and I was, I was like, I haven't even made a decision, y'all. I'm 19. Like, I'm not trying to do this right now. I'm just saying like, can we be curious about what else is out there for us? Right. And so that to me, like you start with curiosity. And then you, in order to cultivate that curiosity, you need to be in a safe enough space for you to explore that curiosity. And that's big for me, right? And so if we want people to be able to embody their fullest selves, you need to give them space to be curious. You have to. And I think that's where we get into, you know, um, I guess, that's kind of where the shame can live if you're not met in a, in a space that's open enough to let you explore your curiosity. You know, that's where shame really cultivates. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I totally agree. And I think that that's where a lot of people get stuck is when they don't have a community or a support system that supports them in that exploration in, you know, emboldening their curiosity and making quote mistakes, which I always view as just choices that will either illuminate your path or take you further away from it, you know? And so I, I I'm curious, like if somebody is, cause I know there are a lot of people who are in this space who are like in th- those communities. And I know there are a lot of people who are still really living in that shame. So I'm curious what you would say to the people who aren't in a community, like, where do you even start to find that? Is it one person? Is it like deep diving into a massive community that already exists? Like how do you even begin? That's a good question. Yeah. I think it can start with one person. I do think that it can start with one person that you feel safe enough um, to share where you're at and then be met with non-judgment, right? Because that's the part you, the shame grows when you're judged for your curiosity or judged for your um, desires, right? When you're judged for something that you're thinking. And when, if you have one person in your life that you feel you can totally go to and just be, I think that's like a perfect place to start. And then as you get comfortable with saying what it is that you are you know, questioning or asking or exploring, finding little pockets of people, whether in your life or thankfully the internet, (laughs) you know, like as a millennial, I think that was actually very normal for us to seek spaces on the internet (laughs) to feel validated in what we were thinking and feeling, right? That is not, uh, it's almost like at this point, it's out there. You just have to dig a little bit. But I think as a millennial, it's like, oh, this, we were really the generation to be like, I have no one to talk to at home. I don't know who to ask. So I'm going to go on the internet, find a like what is it? AOL chat room or like a Tumblr page or something, right? <laughs> like that's talking about these things. And so um, that was really normal. And now we do have Facebook groups. Now we do have Instagrams. Now we do have um, a lot of different, you know, blogs. Blogs are, I think blogs are actually still really great to find information um, and people that are dealing with the same things that you are. So 
I think it helps to have someone directly to, you know, in your space, if you do to talk to about these things. And if not, the next reach out for me would be like something on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm curious how that played into your evolution into ethical or consensual non-monogamy, because I think as someone who is also in that space, and I feel like it's becoming a little more in mainstream right now, which I love. And I think is so amazing. And there's so much more, um, so many more humans talking about it, like very openly on the internet. Uh, but three years ago when I was first stepping into it, I was so lost and I'm curious, like what that, if that was a part of your shame story and how that played into your curiosity of coming into mm-hmm. that. Cause I know a lot of people in this community are either in that space or exploring that space potentially like in their, in their brain or potentially just yeah. new to that. And it can be really overwhelming, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It's so uh, never in my life <laughs> did I think I would be this person. I will say that off the bat. A thousand percent the same way. <laughs> right? Like, oh my God. If I go, if 19 year old Jada, who was just questioning if she wanted kids, saw what she was talking about now and creating now, mind blown. Like, completely no. <laughs> um, but yes, thankfully I've had connections with people who were allowed, who allowed me to explore my curiosity. Right. Um, and so my journey, I think into non-monogamy was about four years ago. So almost around the same time. Um, and it was actually because I was cheated on. I was cheated on for the first time in my life. And that person claimed that they were polyamorous and that's why <laughs> rule number one. Rule number one, in ethical non-monogamy, you don't lie (laughs) about being with other people. Um, So in my devastation, in trying to make sense of my pain, I went into like this logical research mode of trying to make sense of everything. So that's really what happened for me. Um, There was a lot of shame for the pain that I was like feeling and not knowing who to turn to and shame and being betrayed in this way by someone I loved so much. Right. So there was a different kind of shame there. Um, And so I went into research mode. I, I read, I found all the blogs. I bought ethical slut. Um, I bought more than two. No, opening up. I bought opening up. And then I found a um, support group here in the Bay Area. And so living in a big city, I think it's easier to access these kind of groups, of course. Um, but I found a non-monogamous kind of like group situation that met monthly and I decided to attend um, because mostly because I was curious. Again, I wasn't saying that I wanted to be non-monogamous. I was actually just kind of under trying to understand why and what led people towards this type of relationship structure. Um, and then again, finding that space to in a non-judgmental space to actually let my curiosity kind of roam around. I, I did that. And mostly what I learned in the first first session I went, I was like, oh, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> like monogamous or non-monogamous no one actually knows what they're doing here like I went there with my notebook ready to get all the you know take all the lessons and strategies and how to be polyamorous awesome like why do people do this right and then I was like oh no one no one actually has answers here (laughs) no one when it comes to relationships really has like a map right on how to do this and so really all it was is people who were 
on this journey and supporting each other on this journey. Like the universal things that all of us need, whether what, no matter what relationship style is like, we want love, we want care, we want honesty, we want open communication. Like these are things that all of us deserve in all of our relationships. And so um, that was really the start of it for me. And then there were moments of like, when I was exploring this and talking openly to my friends who were clearly in the monogamous path, there was, you know, some weird looks and some questioning and some friends who were like, well, isn't that just like single and dating? Like, I don't get it. Like, you know, like I don't understand non-monogamy and what this is, you know, and they weren't judgmental. I would not say that about my friendships, but they were, they weren't, they didn't get it. You know, they didn't really fully understand what it is that I was trying to explore or why. Um, and it wasn't until I continued to build relationships with people who were on their own journeys with non-monogamy that I felt really seen. And I felt like, okay, if we're going to struggle with this, we can at least kind of struggle together. And somehow that was really, really helpful and helped release any kind of shame that I was feeling around even taking this path, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I resonate so hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting. I think whether you, what you said is so, is so huge. Like whether you are someone who leans towards monogamy or someone who leans towards A&M at the end of the day, we're all just looking for love and hopefully some healthy communication and coping skills and, you know, being met with honesty in our relationships. And what I think I hear over and over in the ENM space is like, it forces you to amplify your skills in that space, whether you remain in the ENM world or, you know, go back Mm -hmm. to monogamy, whatever, at the end of the day, you still get those skills. And so I think while it is not everyone's fullest embodiment of self, and that is totally valid, it is a path that is equally as valid as monogamy and it's just never talked about it in that way. And, um, I hope we're breaking that open. You know, I hope that the humans who are actively advocating around ENM or poly are not changing people's minds about maybe their own path, but opening up their minds to the idea that there are multiple totally legitimate ways of operating in the world. And yeah, whatever is, whoever's watching, like whatever your alignment is in that space and whatever you're taking from this, I hope that it it emboldens you to just start asking questions about what you actually want in a different way, because we're just never taught. That script is so, it's so, so it like penetrates our whole being in a way that it makes yes, it, it really does. You know, it makes it impossible sometimes to, to think outside of that space. So I'm curious, what is your flavor of ENM? Because I feel like that can look so yeah. different to so many people. So mine right now is solo polyamory slash relationship anarchy kind of energy. Yeah. So I explain what those things are because I think yeah, yeah, absolutely have no idea. (laughs) So for solo polyamory, um, I think it can look different for for several people, but I don't seek relationships in order to be in a couple or be in a dyad of some sort. Like the way that I view myself is that I I am an autonomous human being who just can love and can have multiple 
connections with different people and that's it. And I'm not seeking us to live together. I'm not seeking marriage. I'm not seeking to like, quote unquote, build a life with somebody. I'm just kind of like, I'm going to build my life on my own. And if you want to like build parallel to me, then let's do that. You know, if it works, but for the most part, I'm not trying to build with somebody, if that makes sense. Um, I, I use like, I've been using what's the relationship galaxy in my classes as like a analogy. And I know like relationship anarchy. So yeah, that's, we can talk about that too, but um, I use like a relationship galaxy when you think of a big, huge, expansive galaxy and the different kind of planets and stars and like comets that exist out there. Like I think of myself as the sun, like I am my own sun everything revolves around me and my decisions, you know, my decision to move abroad is for me, right? Like I don't have to consider another person in that decision. Um, and that's really big for me. Like that is, is huge for how I, how I need to live my life in order to feel not only free, but, uh, as a eldest only daughter in my family with caregiving tendencies, there's also some layer in there for me. That's like, for me to, in order for me to give, be my best self, I need to have limitations on how I, you know, care give for other people. And solo polyamory kind of builds that natural barrier for me because I don't make decisions solely based on somebody else. Mm-hmm. hope that makes sense. Totally. And I, I think what you just depicted is something that most people would listen to and hear and genuinely feel like flabbergasted by because we are so taught to build towards living a life with one person mm-hmm. and the concept of that person being yourself yeah. is probably <laughs> so wild to so many humans and i i know when i first learned of solo polyamory and what it is about. Like it, I, it identified with me on a level that I didn't anticipate, um, because I am married and have been very happily partnered with my husband for 10 years. And what I realized about it is like, I feel like I am kind of solo polyam, but in a marriage, if that makes sense. Like we've always lived very independent lives. Um, you know, I would move in a heartbeat without him, in order to go do a show somewhere. Cause I'm an actor as well. You know, like these are all big things that we've considered and we would, you know, we're not planning to have kids. That's also we were alignment in that, in that space too, if that's still on your, not on your radar, yeah. you know? And <laughs> totally, so it's like, yeah. that is totally, I think a really beautiful thing. And whether you, do you think that solo polyam for you is like a lifetime identity? Because I think, I feel like I know some people who identify solo polyam who are like, this is a right now thing for me while I'm like unlearning a lot of patterns. Mm, mm-hmm. And then some people are like, no, nah, this is me forever, boo. I feel like it's me forever only because when I look back on so many of my past relationships, like that was me. And I just didn't have the language or the tools, right? Or the capacity at the time to really live it or dig into it or like kind of accept that because I, you know, social scripts, right? Yeah. But I, it feels to me the, like it's, it's who I, my orientation, mm-hmm. like it feels very much my relationship orientation. I am also a Sagittarius, which are like notorious <laughs> for just freedom and like, completed I'm an Aquarius, which is oh like the God. other one for that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I want. Like, I I love it. I'm like hippie free spirit vibes. Too funny. This is so many many times in some of my past relationships where like I had a, I've had a partner who will, you know, be unhappy with something that I was doing. And I was like, I'm still going to do it. Like I'm not, you know, I will deal with the aftermath later. Right. And thankfully I don't have relationships like that anymore where like there's, it feels like there's consequences to my actions in that Mm -hmm. way. But I'm like, I'm still oriented towards making decisions based on me and my fulfillment. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's the last 10, 10 minutes I want to use for Q and a, and just kind of spitfire stuff that has come up for me, or I imagine a lot of the peeps in this community will want to know as well. So in terms of stepping into opening up or like exploring ENM, what do you feel like were your biggest, like the, the things that in that space allowed you to feel like the fullest expression of self. I know we've talked about that a little bit, but I'm curious, like if you could pinpoint like two or three things. Mm. Yo, you know, when it comes to language, it's like a both and having the language is so immensely helpful to helping understand your experience. At the same time, because of the way we're conditioned, when we see language, we're still so like, is it we tend to want to still like conform to this box that that language can give us right like a single definition of solo poly a single definition of polyam or like what polyam has to look like jealous free jealousy free whatever love meeting all your partners partners kind of thing and so I think language can be helpful to that degree of like for me it it showed me what possibilities could exist Right. And I think that's the most important thing is that when you are in a space where you are curious, where you want to explore something, where you want to explore a different relationship dynamic, it's important to know what possibilities are out there. Right. And so sometimes when it comes to having the language or hearing someone else's story, that in itself gives you possibility. And I think that's really big mm-hmm. um, to help you kind of keep going. And at the same time, knowing that like all of this is ever evolving. So that's kind of the other side, right? That like this language and these tools that we have are gonna shift as they should because we're human beings. (laughs) Yeah. It's my hardest lesson to learn. And yet I think (laughs) the most important one that like growth is inevitable. And the more you can just go along for the ride of your own unique journey, like the more you will feel fulfillment on a day-to-day basis. It's yeah. it's such a gift and something I think we resist so deeply as humans. We really know? do. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I see it all the time. And I'm just like, I know a big word for me last year, um, just related to life in general was like surrender. Like there's there's an element where you have to surrender to what the world is telling you to do, mm-hmm. right? Or like what your natural inclination, like you know. Like if, if you're taking the time to sit with your intuition and connect with it, you know, what's supposed to happen, or, you know, what you need to be doing, you know, how you need to be showing up in the world. And it's just surrendering to that and trusting that, you know, you have everything in your power to move to the next thing. You have everything Mm -hmm. in your power to handle the next thing. Right. That brought up a question that I know so many people are going to want to know, which is, how do you know? Like, how, how do you know? And, and I, and I want to follow that up with, I think a lot of the time we have these little tiny, like, 
I'm kind of curious here. And you did the thing of I'm, I got cheated on by somebody and you could have taken that and been like, fuck polyamory. But instead you chose that really low point in your life as an opportunity to learn and get curious. And in the end ended up discovering that that was a huge part of who you are, which is such a beautiful, wild story. So yeah, (laughs) how, I, I guess like, do you, do you think that when there's an inkling towards something and a, a, a slight curiosity or that spark in your body that we all know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Do you encourage like just diving in full force and seeing what the fuck happens or like, is there a different approach? Cause yeah, that's, that's my approach. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know it's not everyone's. <laughs> not everyone's just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm like that, but not everyone has to be. I don't think that that has to be everyone's jam. And I actually see that um, people who start exploring non-monogamy tend to do that. And I'm like, yo, your nervous system Slow is down. not ready for that, right? Like, let's be real. Your nervous system does not feel safe enough for you to fully jump into this un- completely unchartered territory. So let's not do that. And let's find the baby steps for you that feel safe, that feel contained, right? And that to me is this different approach of like being trauma-informed in opening up your relationship to, right? Because it will come up. Your traumas are definitely going to come up, (laughs) right? And so to force yourself in any way, shape, or form to just like, just dive in, I think can actually be really dangerous and harmful, Mm -hmm. right? So finding really small ways, depending, again, it just depends on your style and what feels good for you. When it comes to leaning into curiosity, um, I, I, I think of like, I think of kids, I think of children, right? I think of some children who, you know, will like step their foot in the water a little bit to see, right? With encouragement of the adults around them because they know they're going to feel safe. They got floaties on, like they're trying to see, right? And then you got the kids who are like, bam, like I'm cannonballing into the pool, right? And so to me, it's like thinking of your your just natural style. When I, I bring up kids too, because kids are the most curious, like wonder-driven humans on the earth. And that's why I love them so much, even though I don't want them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing to witness children's curiosity. Mm. And so that's the energy that I always try and encourage folks to try and channel is that you have an innate curiosity in you. There's a child in you in there who wants to play, who wants to explore, you know, and there is a little level of, you know, fearlessness sometimes, right? Or just like trusting that like, I'm cool. Like things are fine, you know, maybe because they don't know better, maybe because they do. But at the end of the day, like the thing about, you know, when you go back to being kids, like if you have a supportive container, if you have people around you who are there to support your diving in or your journey, then I think that's the part where you just got to (laughs) try. It actually makes me think of my brother when he was a kid, because he just would try every extracurricular activity there was like, he wanted to dip his toe and it was like, no, that's not for me. No, that's not for me. And I think what we forget as humans is that no decision is forever. No, (laughs) no decision is binding. And so like, what is going to happen if you take a leap? right? Mm -hmm. It takes a small step towards something you think might, 
might be right for you. You're going to either say hell yes or hell no. And then you're going to at least have that awareness instead of wondering for the rest of your life. Um, Yeah. And I think that's the most beautiful takeaway of what you just said, right? It's like, what's what's the harm? What's Mm -hmm. the harm in Mm -hmm. leaping towards something that might be in alignment with you? You know? Absolutely. I love that. I think that's a beautiful beautiful place to end. And I just so appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your heart um, with everyone. If you, before we hop off, could just share where people can find you and connect with you um, after watching this um, so they can get more into your sphere. That would be awesome. Yeah. Thank you again. This was a lovely way to start my morning. (laughs) This is great. Um, People can mostly find me on Instagram um, at Jada dash Jada underscore kissed. Um, and then on my website newsletter, I actually don't do news newsletters like that regularly, but just if people want to subscribe to my email list on tjada.com. Um, but those are the main places I think that I should share my updates. So yeah, I would love to connect with folks. Thank you so much for doing this. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't she fucking amazing and just such a beautiful human. And I hope you took away as much from this conversation as I did. Um, I learned so much and even re-listening to it now, um, you know, as someone who does not identify as solo polyamorous, has never really identified at it, at it, but philosophically can understand and the desire for freedom, the desire to treat yourself, you know, as Jada said, like the sun um, in your own experience, especially if you've never really had that. Um, it can be a really beautiful framework to, especially if you're a recovering people pleaser like me, or maybe you've been in toxic or abusive relationship dynamics or have attachment trauma or whatever it is, right? Where you've spent most of your life, you know, as Jade even said, like as the caregiver, right? Oldest child syndrome, or maybe you're a recovering people pleaser like me, um, where you've been taught or programmed to not put your needs first. If you're, you know, oppressed in any way, um, we live in so many spaces in, in, that world, depending on who we are, our biases, our, our privileges, et cetera, where it can be really hard, um, to feel like we can even begin to step into that space, which is why I asked the question, you know, that I, I loved Jada's answer to of this is like a lifelong thing for her. And she knows that, but there's also a lot of people who I think tap into solo polyamory, for a time because they need to move through the trauma in their life, um, be able to, you know, be centered in their needs, um, for numerous reasons. And all of those things are valid, whether it's for a time or not. Personally, for me, I know my core values at the end of the day are yes, about courage and freedom, and being authentic to who you are and unapologetic, right? That's part of living your fuck yes life. But a big part of who I am too is inevitable relationships that are, let me rephrase that. A big part of who I am is really focused in on uh, fostering 
very, very lifelong relationships with people, um, or at least wanting to do that. I understand that's not always a possibility, right? And so being open to change is important, but also knowing that like family and community and frankly, having, having a more couple centric, um, life for me is important. Um, you know, and that can look very different depending on my season of life. Um, that is looking very different, um, you know, and has continued to look different and all sorts of stuff. And I think at the end of the day, it just goes back to the very, very huge thing that Jada talked about early on is like being curious about yourself and really figuring out almost like from turning a research hat, like, why am I interested in this? What is it that is speaking to my core values around this? Right. And and uh, my favorite thing that um, that she talked about was approaching non-monogamy or really, frankly, anything, I believe, from a lens of possibility versus rigidity, right? So when you're thinking about solo polyamory, whether you are in it, thinking about it, or whatever, remember that at the end of the day, anything that you do is about how you want to show up, right? And it's about what works for your core values at the end of the day, right? And so if solo polyamory feels amazing and aligned because you know that your core values are in that space and like that is a reflection of what your needs are like forever or for the time being, amazing. Um, and if you you know that it sounds really exciting, but it's not actually for you, that's also amazing and valid too, but approaching it from a lens of curiosity is like the best thing ever. And I just really love that um, she continued to just really express that and have this openness and have this, uh, yeah, just like kindness of perspective in the way in which um, she shared all of the different possibilities that she educates around, but also that they um, experience within their own and have experience within their own life. And I just love that so much. Um, so yeah, uh, I just hope you appreciated this conversation as much as I did. I hope you found pieces of yourself in her story, um, the way that I did and also learned so much about, um, her experience the way that I did as well. And there's so much more to learn, um, so much more to expand into by getting into, their work in a more substantial way and really just following them, um, and doing all of that good stuff. So as a reminder, um, all of their Instagram, everything, um, all of the workshops that I mentioned earlier, I'm just going to reiterate here for you. And they're also in the show notes, whether you're, um, you know, scrolling, um, at amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash one, four, three, you can always find everything there. Um, but yeah, as a reminder, Jada's Instagram is Jada, J A Y D A underscore kissed. Um, and I just checked, they're almost at 10,000 peeps, which is huge. So help them get there. (laughs) Um, it makes such a big, big difference from a like brand standpoint and whatever. And I don't know what they're doing on that front, but can't hurt. Right. Um, so 
that's their Instagram. And then um, she also has a workshop um, that is self-paced um, called Jumping Off the Relationship Escalator, which I highly recommend for anyone in any relationship dynamics, just from a learning standpoint and understanding. Um, and then, of course, also their poetry collection called From a Place of Love. You can also get that Um either just in the link of their bio if you're on their Instagram um, or in the show notes, um, it's linked there as well to their website. And everything else that we talked about in the episode, like the books that she referenced, um, all of that good stuff is in the show notes as well at amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash one, four, three. Okay. That's it. That's the deal. That's the four, one, one. I, uh, on my live your fuck yes life, podcast Instagram, the one that is not my Instagram. Um, if you're not over there, go check it out. I'm trying to be better about posting over there with this new season that just never really ends. Um, so it's live your fuck yes life at live your fuck yes life. It's all together. There's no star in fuck for that one because Instagram lets you actually swear. How great. Um, and, um, check that out. I'm going to be sharing the, the graphics like normal, um, but also um, a little, a, a couple, a particular graphic that Jada made um, about solo polyamory that I just think is so, so, so huge and helpful. Um, I'll be linking that as well in in that thread of photos. So check it out. Um, you know, make sure to go save their work um, and all of that stuff um, and, and just really support them everything that um that she is because she's magic and I really appreciate her heart and everything she is and that she does for this community and for the world so um yeah that's everything I hope you are hanging the fuck in there and if you like this episode you know rate it review uh share uh, make sure you tag jada when you do um and thank them for their time for whatever you learned um and all of that good stuff. And without further ado, I'll see you without further ado. LOL, Amanda. I'll see you next time on the flip side in a couple of motherfucking weeks as we do. And uh, guess what? Then you'll actually get the outro and the intro, which I know you're missing so goddamn much. So until then, I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.